This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. And then now here in verse 20, they glorify the Lord, not Paul. Paul didn't get the praise. They glorify God. You know, it's sad when people take the glory, God's glory, for themselves. And that bothers me. That's why I fear myself. Anything you do, you may not be a preacher, pulpit, or teacher, or pastor. Even when you share the gospel, don't say, oh yeah, I led that person to the Lord. Be careful. Give the glory to the Lord. It is only by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that we live a righteous life. There is nothing for us to boast about or take pride in apart from Him. He has redeemed us and equipped us to share His love with the world around us. In today's message, Pastor Eddie encourages us to find confidence in Him. And when He accomplishes good works through you, give Him all the glory. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie for today's edition of Running the Race. And after those days, we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Now, remember, you students, whenever we read in, in the scriptures where a Jew will say, I'm going up to Jerusalem, regardless if they're in the north or south of Jerusalem or east or west of Jerusalem, they will always say whenever they're going to Jerusalem, regardless of their location, they will say, I'm going up or we're going up to Jerusalem. Now, keep in mind, Paul and company are in Caesarea. And if you look in your Bible maps, in the back of your Bible, you'll find that Caesarea is just south of Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, 65 miles, which is a two-day journey, 65 miles south of Jerusalem. But they will always say, we're going up. I'm going up to Jerusalem. And so Paul and company, they begin to travel. They, they pack their bags. It's a long journey. Um, and now, now they're heading towards Jerusalem. But they're going to Jerusalem with another group of disciples. In verse 16, it says, also some of the disciples from Caesarea. So Paul and company, along with the disciples of Caesarea, went with us and brought with them a certain nation of Cyprus an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. So halfway down, halfway up to Jerusalem, biblically, or halfway down geographically, uh, going to Jerusalem, they're staying at a, ma- at a nation's house uh, 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 from Cyprus. Now it says an early disciple. Nason was an early disciple. That is to say that he was one of the earliest disciples when the church first began. One of the, the veterans, if you will. In the, in, in when the church birthed out. So they go into this veteran's house, and they know Nason was probably the word. Is, hey, he's a disciple. His home is open to everyone. So halfway down to Jerusalem, they lodge in his house. In verse 17, it says, And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. 
on the following day, Paul went in with us to James, with us. The author Luke is still including himself. He's the author of this book, the, the author of the Gospel of Luke. He's writing in Acts. He's still including himself. You see the pronouns, us, to see James. Who's this James? This is the James who's the half-brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, the one at the very beginning doing Jesus' earthly ministry, you know, kind of mocked him and said, hey, go down so your disciples go check you out. Now here's James as we studied before. He's now the leader of the church in Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, he has a nickname called Camel Knees. Camel Knees. Uh, Camel Knees, you ever see the knees of a camel? It's the most ugliest thing. You know how some people wear ripped jeans on the knees? Um, But this is worse. I mean, this is not bad. Ripped jeans are not bad. I used to wear it during my metal days. Yes, I had ripped jeans. But we're talking about his knees were so callous because he always prayed. And he looked as ugly. Go Google camel's knees, and you're going to see how ugly these things are. And that was his nickname because he always prayed. And so now, they're happy to see them. Paul is going there with a group of guys. And so on the following day, we went, uh, Paul went with us to James, and all the elders were present. That means all the elders there from the church of Jerusalem. This is like the mother church. This was the, the, the structure of the church in Jerusalem. In verse 19, when we had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. Now, I love what Luke writes here. Because Luke writes that Paul was sharing in detail all the things which God has done in his ministry. Paul, uh, Luke, as you know, is the author here. You know he's a detailed guy. If you've been with us in our study in the book of Acts, Luke is writing everything just in the beginning of the chapter. He's writing down the port side of the ship as we pass by Cyprus. You know, he's like writing this beautiful scenery that you can actually paint the picture. Was it necessary? For the Holy Spirit, yes. He's just giving you an all-around view of what's taking place. Paul, I mean, Luke is a very detailed guy because he's a doctor. He's a physician. And if Luke says that Paul gave details, that was a long conversation. Details say, listen, we went to Ephesus, we went to Antioch, and you can imagine, yeah, they, they were going to, and there was a riot in Ephesus, they were going to kill me. I said nothing about Diana, but they wanted to kill me. No one's going to the temple of Diana worshiping this ugly goddess. And each is sharing detail for details. But I love what it says at the end of 19. He shared the detail of the things which God had done. Who's done it? God. God has done it, the Lord. Um, and he did it among the Gentiles through his ministry. So the Lord always used someone. But it is the Lord's doing. And so he shares in detail. Now, Remember, you, we, if you've been with us, I'll give you a little rundown, the beginning of the chapter, uh, the beginning of Book of Acts, where the Gentiles started coming in. The Gentiles started coming in. The birth of this church, your history as Christians, Christian history, has it all birthed out with a group of Jews who believe in Jesus Christ. There were no Gentiles. They were all Jews. And we forget that. Many of us forget that Jesus was a Jew. <laughs> we forget that Jesus was a Jew. Matter of fact, if you, you know, his name is really Yeshua. We just use the Greek and the English, Jesus. And, you know, in reality, we should say Yeshua. Because my name is Edward, right? My name is Edward. My name is not Eduardo. 
They think because I'm Hispanic. Hey, Eduardo. Some of my friends play with me. You know, Eduardo, you know, some of the guys at work, you know, they always picked on me. I love it. I miss these clowns. Don't miss the circus, but I miss the clowns. But they used to call me, you know, sometimes call me the Puerto Rican leprechaun. <laughs> but anyway, that's what they called me. But anyway, let's get back to this. I don't want to get there. But you see how you say Yeshua was his name. You don't call him Jesus. I mean, we know he, I'm not saying that Jesus is going to say, well, my name is not Jesus. Don't call me Jesus. Say in the name of Yeshua, you know. Uh, but what I'm saying is that here we see that there was a problem with, with the uh, uh, Gentiles coming in. It was all Jews, all Jews. And we forget that. Let's not forget our history. You as a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, your Messiah is Jewish. The first birth of Christians in the day of Pentecost, they in the upper room, were Jews. Were Jews. So now, when the Gentiles started coming in, here's my point. When the Gentiles started coming in, the, the, the Jewish believers didn't know what to do with that. Because two different cultures, and that makes a big deal. Because the Jews are, you know, they eat kosher. The Gentiles, we eat pork, cheeseburgers. How do you get a fellowship of two different cultures who believe in Jesus right together? So the, the, the Jews didn't know what to do with the Gentiles early. If you remember uh, when the Lord had to minister to Peter. Remember Peter was up in the, uh, on, uh, he was uh, praying, he was hungry, and the Lord gave him this vision, and he said, eat all these food, and it was really unclean food. It was non-kosher foods. And so they see the non-kosher foods, and all of a sudden, you know, Peter say, no, I can't eat that. I mean, I can't eat cheeseburgers. I can't eat pork. And the Lord said, no, you eat it. And what the Lord was showing Peter is that don't you dare call clean, unclean, what I've made clean. And that was for the Gentiles. And then later on, guess what happens? He goes to Cornelius' house. He was sent by one of Cornelius' servants. And he goes to Cornelius' house, who is a centurion, Gentile, Roman soldier. And uh, he was inquiring, seeking the Lord for truth. And he practiced Judaism because he didn't believe in the Roman culture and their pagan gods. He, wa- he was a man seeking for truth. And the Lord heard his, heard his prayer. And so he went and sent for Peter. Peter came up. And guess what? The first home Bible study was in a Gentile home, a Roman centurion. And so all the Gentiles, they received the Holy Spirit. They started speaking in tongues. They all got saved and they started speaking in tongues. So that's the evidence of the, you know, that God is doing something. And Peter was saying, hey, now I know God shows no partiality. God shows no partiality. Here's Paul sharing with James. He's sharing in detail. Detail, listen. The Gentiles are getting saved by the thousands and tens of thousands all over the region of this Gentile land in Asia Minor, Galatia. This is what God has done. God has used me to call and minister to the Gentiles. Though I always went to the synagogue first and I went to my fellow brethren, my my fellow countrymen, my fellow Israelites, I went there first. But you know what? I I went to the Gentiles and now the church is all over the place. And now here is James. One of the first, one of the apostles, here's James, is receiving all this good news. Wow, God, God shows no partiality. And so now what they've learned and what we all have learned, and even in our Christian walk, that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. So they didn't know what to do there. So now the entire region are, are now uh, Christians. They're part of the movement. Paul is sharing this in detail to James and all the apostles. Listen, this is what God has been doing. 
you're not going to believe this. Yeah, he said, hey, Paul, what's that big knot on your head? Oh, I got beat up. Don't, don't worry about it. But God is really, there's like five churches in this region. Paul, you know, why you got this bruise on your neck? It doesn't matter. But listen, Paul, you've been whipped and beat up. It doesn't matter. But hear the good news. Can you imagine? I would like to see a before and after picture of Paul in the ministry. And I think it's, you know, he's not, it's not so much of the gray hairs. It's going to be all the scars he, he inquired because of the gospel. What an incredible man. Verse 20, and he says, And when they heard it, they glorify the Lord. When they heard it, they glorify the Lord. Now notice, they didn't glorify Paul. They didn't praise Paul. They glorified who? The Lord. In verse 19, we said, we, we saw that Paul shared the things God did. God did among the Gentiles, not Paul. And then now here in verse 20, they glorified the Lord, not Paul. Paul didn't get the praise. They glorified God. You know, it's sad when people take the glory, God's glory, for themselves. And that bothers me. That's why I fear myself. Anything you do, you may not be a preacher, pulpit, or teacher, or pastor. Even when you share the gospel, don't say, oh, yeah, I led that person to the Lord. Be careful. Give the glory to the Lord because it has nothing to do. It's not your words. The words are in the scriptures. It's not you. It's the Holy Spirit. Give God the glory of everything. Don't, don't take the glory from God. Don't take the glory from God. Let God get the glory. And they, they heard it. They glorified the Lord. And they said to him, you see, brother, how many marriages of Jews there are who have believed. And they are all zealous for the law. So now they're saying, listen, there, there are thousands of Jews out here now, Paul, who have come to know Jesus as the Messiah. And now they, you know, they come to know Jesus, but however, they follow the laws of Moses seriously. So they still uh, are adapting the culture here. They're still adapting the culture here, which is not really a problem. I don't think it's a problem in God's eyes. The problem is when you say you have to do that. You understand? The problem is when you say, this is how you ought to worship God. Oh, you didn't worship on the Sabbath? Oh, you didn't go to Passover? Oh, you're going to hell. You know, that's the problem. When you start putting a trip on people because the Lord has ministered in your heart something, and now you want to pass it on to someone else. And so um, the Jews who believed in Christ uh, are still adhered to the rituals and the ceremonies of Judaism. Now, remember uh, Paul is in Jerusalem now while he's sharing with, with James, while he's talking with all the disciples, all the things God is doing. James is just speaking a little bit to him. There is crowd you can hear outside the windows because there are people in there in Jerusalem by the thousands, by the thousands. Remember, this is the time of the Feast of Pentecost. And at this time, even Josephus says that there are over 2 million Jews who have come to Jerusalem from all over to celebrate the feast. This is the reason why Paul wanted it so badly to make it on time for the feast. Why? There's going to be a lot of Jews there. And if I could just have a way to share to all of them that Jesus is the Messiah. And so Paul is here, and so are many other Jews who have heard of Paul and his ministry. Whether they were believers or not, Paul had a reputation. It says, they're... Marriage of Jews there, they are who have believed and they are all zealous for the law. 
but they have been informed about you, he says, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the custom. This is what they're saying. Paul, this is what they're saying about you. It's the rumor. Now, the custom was eight days after a male child was born, the eight days they were to go to the priest and they were to get circumcised. The rumor was that Paul was telling them not to have their children circumcised. So, while they were rejoicing over Paul's report with his ministry of the Gentiles, they also were uh, talking about now about Paul's reputation among the believers, the Jews who were zealous for the Lord. Unbelieving Jews, they wanted to kill him. Believing Jews were not really too happy with him because of the false rumors. They felt like, hey, we could still keep the customs. Now, Paul was not teaching against the laws of Moses. Paul did not tell anyone not to circumcise their children. Because here it is. If you've been with us in our study, we see what Paul has done in his ministry throughout uh, the recording here of the book of Acts by uh, Dr. Luke. If Paul was against the laws of Moses, especially of circumcision, why did he tell Timothy to get circumcised before he took the mission trip? He said, Timothy, you know, I know you're a grown man. It's more painful at this time. But for the sake of the other Jews, we're going to be coming across Jews now. You know, we're going to share the gospel. And so that way they will listen to you knowing that you're half Jew. He's half Jew. His mother is Jewish. His father is the Gentile. His father would not allow him to be uh, circumcised. Why? Because his father was a pure Greek. Greeks, they worship the, fa- the body. They deify the body. Most of the art in the history, you'll find that they will have these Olympics. and you know, they'll, they'll be sometimes, you know, statues or completely naked. They glorify the body. So the father didn't want that. He said, no, you can't defile the body. That's, to them, it's defiling the body. And so Timothy is like, I'm pretty sure. He loved, he loved the Lord. He loved Paul. I said, hey, let's do this. And so he had to get a little surgery just to continue. Now, if Paul was against the, the, the customs of the laws of Moses, and especially the particular this one, circumcision, why would he tell Timothy to do it? He's not. Why did he tell Timothy to do it? Because he became all things to all men. He did it for the sake of the gospel. If Paul was against the laws of ministry, uh, the laws of Moses, then why did Paul take the Nazarite vow? Remember chapter 18. He remember he shaved his head. He let his head grow. He, didn't, he, he, took, he shaved his head. Why would Paul do that? And you think, this is, a cha- this is a man who's a champion of grace. This is a man who's uh, uh, talked all about grace. But see, Paul knew he did it because he, these, these symbols and these things meant something to him, but he never pushed it on anyone. Know that he knows that none of these things are, are, are needed for salvation. Paul knew that none of these works of the old covenant in Judaism is needed for salvation. That's one thing clear. And so Paul knew that um, all the work was done by who? Jesus has done the work. We're not saved by works. What did he say uh, to the church of Ephesus? Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. He said, for by grace you have been saved. Through faith, you've been saved by grace and by faith in Christ, not of yourself. And nothing you've done has made you uh, right with God. It is a gift of God, not of works. There it is. So all those rituals and religious practices and, and all those little ceremonies, you can't be saved by that. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. The other one should be boasting about the fact that you came to the cross is 
all of heaven, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all the angels and all the saints that are rejoicing because you have come to the cross. So they continue to tell Paul, uh, the, the, the apostles there at the church of Jerusalem, they said, this is the rumor. This is the rumor. We know that's not you. And then it says in verse 22, what then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. In other words, they say, listen, Paul, we have to continue to meet. We have to continue to have fellowship. We have to continue to have a Bible study. Um, and, but Paul, they know that you're here. They know that you're a part of us. They know that you're of the way. So what are we going to do? So here's their counsel. Here's their counsel from the, from the uh, apostles of the church. In verse 23, they said, Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. What vow is this? This is the Nazarite vow. The Nazarite vow, if you want to study more about the Nazarite vow, Numbers chapter 6 for you students. Read it at home. Numbers chapter 6. If they were to take a Nazarite vow, they had to let their hair grow long. They had to let their hair grow long. They, they, they drank no wine. They couldn't drink wine. They ate no grapes or no raisins. They didn't touch anything. They couldn't touch anything that was dead. And they had to devote themselves for a period of time uh, in dedication to the Lord. Once that's done, for 30 days, at the end of the vow, they would go to the temple spent seven days there worshiping the Lord, they would cut their hair, burn it, and give offerings and sacrifice unto the Lord. That was the Nazarite vow. This is exactly what Paul did in chapter 18. So if he was against the the, the laws of Moses, why did he do these things? Why? We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing. Do this so they can know that you're not a part of this. Now, some people may say, well, you know, that's like trying to please men. No, because Paul actually took the vow himself. And this to show them that, hey, you know what? I'm at peace with you guys. There's nothing wrong with that. Plus, he's going to bless these four men. And he says, but that you yourself also will work orderly and keep the law. And so now, taking the, the Nazarite vow was a costly vow. Let's put it that way. It was, it was very costly. Um, the people that would take the vow, they would have to miss work because they have to separate themselves. They needed them. And, you know, they're not making money for the time they're off taking the vow. Plus, on top of that, what they have to do. They have to pay for the sacrifice, whether it be a lamb, a ram, and other offerings. Now, here's the thing. This is why they're asking Paul to do this. Paul, these four men, they've taken a vow. Pay for them. It was customary in those days. It was customary in those days that if there was a wealthy man or one who was well off, and they saw that there were people taking this vow, they want to help. You know what? I want to support what you're doing, and I want to pay for your, here's the money for the offering so you could complete the vow. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Running the Race. Eddie will continue teaching through the book of Acts next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to runningtheraceradio.com. You can also subscribe to the Running the Race podcast at runningtheraceradio.com or search for Running the Race in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, 
you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to the Running the Race podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to runningtheraceradio.com and subscribe to the Running the Race podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and access the archive of messages, log on to runningtheraceradio.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that running the race is missionary work? It is. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting Running the Race. Go to runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Give option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study as Eddie shares insights with us from the book of Acts. That's next time on Running the Race.